if we will humble ourselves to take another look at the cross, and if we'll let the lens of our life be refocused through that point of view, then it brings hope back into focus and it brings hope back in as an option and not just an option, but as, as a reality. Welcome to the Christian Music Archive podcast, conversations about Christ, community, and music. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I am privileged to chat with a musical guest who is listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Today I sit down with two of the founding members of the band Small Town Poets. We're going to hear how God brought these guys together and how their relationship has gone beyond making music together, but also how they seek God's direction together, both in their personal lives and professional lives. Small Town Poets formed in 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia, and they've released eight albums and a couple of Christmas projects together. Their first major label album even earned a Grammy nomination, but... As you hear them share their story, it is not about the awards or the album sales. They are seeking to follow God in their music careers and in their personal lives. But why am I telling you about all this? Let's let them share their story in their own words. So let's welcome to the podcast, Danny Stevens and Michael Johnston from the Small Town Poets. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. You guys are, um, you guys are, I just realized, celebrating 25 years together. Uh, that's impossible. We're not that old. Oh, that's I'm sorry. Be... That was a misprint. Then. <laughs> a, a clerical error of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Your first album came out at about 96, if I remember. Uh, how did you guys kind of decide to be a band and, and get started? Well, this is Michael, and Danny and I went to high school together. We met in a creative writing class our sophomore year in high school, right towards the end of that year. And uh, over the summer, we both turned 16 and started connecting a little bit around music. And it was really, it was Christian music that, that really sparked that, uh, that friendship and, and some common interests there. And Danny had been writing songs um, just, you know, for a number of years and uh, had you know, been playing in, in some local churches and whatever he had an opportunity to. So we talked about what it would look like to play music together. I played bass guitar and sang a little bit, although I don't think that I uh, came out um, talking about singing as much as I did just playing bass guitar. So <laughs> we we uh, we just kind of forged a friendship around trying to pursue our relationship with God as teenagers in high school and also begin to express ourselves through this new thing as we understood it, which was, uh, you know, Christian rock music, um, that was a little bit uh, more like the kind of music we liked to make than hymns were, per se. Loved right. the richness of the language of the hymns, but uh, we we liked our guitars and keyboards and and, uh, <laughs> and wanted to <laughs> lean into that. So what were your musical influences? I mean, you, you met in high school and were probably, were you, did you play in like bands and stuff there, or was it just a connection through your writing class? Well, it's funny that it's funny that you would uh, bring that up because I'm sitting here looking at 
my inscription in Michael's yearbook from that year because he just sent me a screenshot of it the other day. Um, and I tell him to keep his eyes on the Lord and you'll go far and keep singing quartet music. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, the funny thing about that is he, he was doing something with this, you know, playing bass and singing uh, or whatever he was doing with this quartet. But, um, but he's the one that exposed me to a lot of um, different rock bands and stuff. Uh, and then I was playing him, uh, Michael, you correct me if I have this wrong, but I was playing him a bunch of the Christian rock that my brother turned me on to, like Petra and Whiteheart, and Amy Grant and the Imperials. Uh, man, that all just came together for us in the form of, no, we had not really been playing in any rock bands, but we just kind of started to piece it together. And it wasn't easy at first. We did our first concerts without an electric guitar player, but we considered ourselves a rock band, which made no sense, really. <laughs> but and eventually we're not, we're not we, taking 80s pop rock either. It's before. No, <laughs> right, right. But we eventually found a guitar player and, yeah, kind of started to find our way musically. So I think it's really important, and it's interesting because what's kind of coming out already is we were, you know, as teenagers pursuing faith and relationship with Jesus we had this point of view because of the way we were raised as what was music that was acceptable for the church and what wasn't. And some of it was implicit. Some of it was explicitly said. So yeah, I was playing bass guitar in a a Southern gospel quartet. I think we need to even qualify that further, Danny. So um, that was the kind of music that I was related to that I, that I was uh, aware of growing up um, that was sort of not hymns and it was kind of entertainment, but it was also acceptable spiritually and and could be used in the church. So that's, that started us off on a, on a quest to uh, answer a lot of those questions for ourselves as teenagers. So were you guys feeling like what you were doing musically together was rebellious because it's not the Southern gospel and it's not the hymns? Well, Dave, we might not have, used that word, but <laughs> right. others around us were using that word quite yep. a bit. Yep, for sure, for sure. And and it was really obvious. It was, it was not subtle. I mean, we had friends that um, were upset that we would dare, dare bring drums and guitars into the church. Yeah. Um, and we had pastors in the area that were um, not happy with what we were doing. Uh, and I, I hearken back to the fact that my dad, and Michael knows this story, but my dad was, he was in a group in college, and they faced all the same scrutiny and the same disapproval, even though their music was Southern gospel back in the 60s. So it's a generational, I mean, it just, you know, it, it, history repeats itself for sure. Well, it seems like there's always, you know, I, I heard an interview recently with somebody saying that people are always working to make their music in the worship of the Lord speak the language that they were. I mean, you know, we're talking with older people who the Beatles were their influence and they were trying to figure out how to bring the Beatles into, into Christian music. And so, so you guys are getting started. Where do you play? If you're getting this pushback from pastors and stuff, where, where are you guys able to perform? Well, that's one of the beautiful things about this part of our story, I think, in, in relation to uh, how we would, then began learning how to relate to God. Um, we, you know, we weren't welcomed into some of the places that were familiar to us, but locally there were other churches that um, were open to what we were doing. 
they were open to the songs that at that time Danny was writing and, and singing and, and a couple of us uh, other friends were you know kind of building a band around that and they were open to allowing us to come in um, play on a Sunday night you know play for their youth group things like that so we started learning um, from people that had different uh, beliefs and faith practices than we did and 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 at that point in our lives it was pretty huge uh, part of our discipleship because we um we were encountering these things and then going to scripture and saying okay this is what we've learned growing up these are the things that uh, both of these uh, expressions of faith seem to have in common here are the things that seem to be a little bit different maybe not exclusive right. mutually exclusive of each other but they're different different ways of looking at things different ways of looking at the expressions of worship uh different uh, uh ways of emphasizing different parts of what it looks like to be a jesus follower and it really broadened and deepened our walk with with jesus so would you say that that was a collective growth or was it something you had individually that you brought together and kind of spurred things on it kind of felt like we were all growing together because we um we were doing a lot of the same events and church services together and uh and really beyond that we were doing a lot of the same bible studies together we used to have band bible studies or go to different retreats and bible studies together so and we were just kind of all in the same place because the way the band was at that moment you know, the, the lineup changed years later when we officially became small town poets. But in high school, the three of us who would be in small town poets, as it eventually was known, we, we were all raised in the church. And I mean, really ensconced in all the music and the theology. And um, we were just all kind of in the same place. And, and we weren't thankfully jaded. We were ready to grow, I felt like. And we, we really leaned on each other a lot and grew together. Wouldn't you agree with that, Michael? Yeah, I think it was a both and. Had had we not had that community, it might have been more difficult. I'm I am an introvert. You know, if you acknowledge the this whole idea of being on kind of a continuum that prefers uh, introversion or prefers extroversion, I, I tend to process things internally a good bit. I tend to uh, be okay and and refresh and uh, recalibrate you know, with solitude. Um, but it takes that extroverting of ideas and thoughts sometimes to get outside of yourself mm -hmm. as an introvert and, and be able to have a sounding board, be able to you know, hear your ideas coming back at you and, and see how they sound coming back at you with good listeners in your life. And, and, you know, I think we were blessed with being good listeners for each other and, and being able to, uh, sit and, and learn together, ask questions together, disagree, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes not speak to each other for a day or two. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and so it was as individuals, we were confronting these things, wrestling with these things because each of us are different persons. And, yeah. but, but together being able to have that community aspect, which I think the gospel calls us to work out, our salvation and to work out our faith in, in community. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's, it's a both hand. 
Well, I'm I'm interested that you bring up the word community because that's a big part of of what this podcast is about is is learning how to build community and and I'm, and I'm kind of jumping forward in the story a little bit because you guys 25 years later are scattered across the country and yet you're still working together as a band. How how does that community for the band at least continue on with distance? Well, technology is is uh, still a big part of our story. You know, it was sort of new sounds and new ideas that were coming along at the beginning of our story. And, and you know, the technology that we have in terms of being able to connect, you know, with video conferencing, with being able to send music files um, and, and work in the recording process, the creative process in it's it's actually made it easier for us in some ways to uh, to have that kind of shared community where we're still exchanging ideas, uh, we're still creating together, and and then you know even an app like I don't know if I can do a plug for Marco Polo, but you know an app like that uh, where we're able to have our little group where it's just easy to pop in and and uh, do a little video update, ask a question, check in, say something silly. You know, our, our friendships have, have, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, continued on, um, in some pretty great ways, even in this past year or two when we started using things like that. But yeah, the, the creative process has actually been improved, um, with technology and, and it hasn't taken over and redefined how we work together really. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just helped us, I think, be able to focus on our strengths a little bit more, but yes, we, we are friends. We enjoy each other. Um, and we enjoy spending time with each other. So there are the times when we are together with, uh, the, uh, you know, we're in the same room at the same time huh. and our agenda is to, to write together and record together. Sometimes it's hard to get on task because we're just having too much fun. <laughs> I'm always interested because a lot of times we get into communities that are purposeful. You know, you, the, the small town poets community is a, as a community for music and for the ministry that God has called you to. But I'm also very interested in the fact that that community spills out into other parts of our life. How would you say being a band with the purpose of music has helped you guys individually through your lives um, outside of music? Well, I like how Michael has, has said that, we're better fathers and we're better sons and we're better people. We're better everything because of our relationships with each other. I know this sounds a little over the top and corny, but we do. We, we not only have had these conversations, but we, it, it actually worked itself into a song. The last song on our record, say hello, that came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. That, that song is about how the band formed some of what we've been talking about with you um, and it is about how iron sharpens iron and how we're better at all these phases of our lives uh, because we sharpen each other. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be a band. Uh, it can just be, you know, those, we all need those friendships. We all need that, that close community. And I don't just mean the church community, which I'm a huge believer of. I love my church and I, you know, sure. you know that's great. But a, a tighter community of a few guys, um, a few people that you can lean on heavily and do life with it that really does make a difference it has for us yeah and i would add to that that um you know 
we, we do consider ourselves brothers mm. and we are good friends, enjoy spending time with each other, but we're all a part of communities that are rooted locally where we are. Yeah. All of us are involved in our local church. And what's, what's happened is the things that I've learned from being in community with Danny and Byron and, and Miguel and Kevin and, and other guys that have been out on the road with us as road managers and, and audio guys, we're, we're still in touch with all of these people. And what, what we've learned is just what it takes to help create that where we are. And so it's, it's, it's put us in places where we can be advocates for that, where we are, we can um, pass along from our experience. And the thing that's, that's good for us is that um, we can point to different seasons in life where what's happened in small town poets has helped us create pockets of community where we were at that point in our lives. And, and so we've established different kinds of relationships with people along and along. We have all of that to draw on and learn from as we continue to grow. Part of being part of a bigger community of Christ is that what we learn in certain areas is very beneficial in other areas too. I like the way you guys have stated that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's jump back in time a little bit. So you guys are a band, and I and I wrote it down, and I'm not finding it in my notes. Uh, you're not small-town poets yet, but how did you guys decide or get f- discovered, I guess, by uh, my forefront and get signed to get you down the path to, hey, now we're a, a, a touring band more than just regionally? Well, uh, and you can edit as much of this out as you'd like, but... To, to maybe give a, a little bit more context, uh, so Danny and Byron, Byron's our drummer, the three of us in high school um, did start uh, a band. I stepped up as a singer. Um, Danny and I shared vocals for a while, and then eventually um, I kind of stepped out front more as, as a singer. And so we added a couple of guys to the mix, and, and that band became uh, a band called Villanelle. And Villanelle, through a very roundabout way, uh, got signed uh, to an independent label, uh, actually uh, as an imprint of that independent label, and had a record that was released. So we got a little bit of a glimpse and trial by fire on the job training, so to speak, (laughs) in terms of uh, being a band with a little bit more of a national platform. Okay. We had been traveling for years and had a regional platform and and had been relatively successful booking ourselves independently from coast to coast and just getting experience doing it. Nobody told us we couldn't do it. Yeah. So we just did it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> trial by fire, right? Exactly. So we um we were on the road pretty extensively even before Small Town Poets became a Very band. Cool. And, and so we experienced a little bit of the life cycle of, uh, of what it could look like to be playing with a group of guys. And life circumstances just dictate that that had, had its end. Okay. And uh, so uh, in 96, I think you mentioned that date already. In 96 is when uh, Small Town Poets came together with the five guys that have been Small Town Poets since then. And, uh, and, but three of us had been playing together for a number of years before that. So, so how did you get co- connected with Kevin and Miguel? Because they aren't, they weren't local to you guys at the time, right? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, the funny thing is Miguel, uh, 
actually was from Atlanta, grew up in Puerto Rico till he was about 12 or 13, but had been living in Atlanta, kind of raised there and, and ended up moving to Nashville. And that's where we found him, not in Atlanta where we all lived. Uh, but we, we came to a crossroads, Michael and I did, where we felt like we just had to implement some real change and, and either restart, reboot everything. Um, there were a couple of band members leaving uh, or just or just move on to something else and just do something else entirely. So we decided to make a demo, and we found a bass player and guitar player uh, in Nashville. That's, that's just the, a very short version of the story, believe me, because it took a while for all this to come together and different players and potential players and auditions. But um, it's, it's great because, you know, it's these, these five guys that are small-town poets now still recording, still writing, still playing concerts. Um, it's, it's the five guys that we landed on. Uh, in 1990, whatever it was. Six. And that's pretty incredible in today's music market. Yeah, it really is. And there's been guys come and go. There have been guys that quit touring or aren't on this album and aren't on this record uh, or on this tour. But for the last 10 or 11 years, it's um, it's been back to the original lineup. Um, and that's a real blessing. Yeah. It's really been cool. And Dave, that aspect of community is what led us to be able to connect with, with Kevin and Miguel. We, we, were introduced to those guys by people that we were striking up friendships with. And uh, that it, it, was a, it was a really cool, um, a really cool time to meet some guys that had a great level of talent. Yes. And, and a lot to offer, but also were passionate about the same things we were passionate about yeah. that, that, you know, had, um, had growing relationships with Jesus uh, to the point where, you know, we could all kind of lock in step together and, yeah. um, and continue on as a group. So the five of you got together before Forefront found you or before you found Forefront? <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had actually had played, uh, the five of us had been out playing shows for some time. We did a demo in Nashville, of four songs, four or five songs. And, we were traveling. We were traveling all over the country as small town poets for several months, maybe even a year. I don't remember the chronology of it. Uh, when that demo made it into the right hands, and we finally started talking to a few record labels. So, how surreal was it for you guys? I mean, you guys have been, you know, paying your dues, putting the miles on the van, probably all sleeping in the same van, eating don't, uh, you know, French fries and McDonald's and whatever. So, were you in a band, Dave? I mean, that's that's pretty exactly spot on. <laughs> That seems like you're speaking from experience. I have, uh, I've worked with a lot of bands who have uh, come up to the, to the concert venue in a van pulling a trailer full of stuff. And yeah, I've seen that, but how surreal was it for you guys? And, and kind of walk me through the, what you guys went through when your debut album on forefront gets a Grammy nomination. I mean, that's huge. Yes, it was huge. And Miguel and I were out in uh, Utah on a little snow skiing trip on a break uh, from touring. And we got a phone call from Eddie DeGarmo. And I was like, Eddie doesn't usually call, you know, <laughs> any of his bands, uh, much less us. And he's like, Hey, yeah, I just wanted to congratulate, be the first to congratulate you on your Grammy nomination. And it was unexpected, completely unexpected, completely surreal in that sense of just 
you know, it was the last thing on, on our minds sure. at that time. But, um, but a, a, an incredibly good feeling. And I won't go into detail about the whole Grammy nominating process, but just by nature of how that whole thing is set up, it, it carried some weight to us. And it felt like so much of what we had been doing over the years had been seen mm. and was being appreciated and, and validated. Do you feel like that nomination changed the direction you guys were going? Or was it, like you said, just a confirmation that you were going the right direction? Uh, very much a confirmation and uh, of, of the, the things that we had been doing and who we were. Um, it, I don't, Danny may have a different perspective, but I, I don't think that any of us really looked at it as um, a, a turning point for uh, going a different direction, rethinking things. It was, it was, uh, it sounds so cliche to say it, but you could see that the Lord's hand was at work in the timing of everything and that it was his confirmation that Michael and I indeed weren't supposed to throw in the towel, but we were supposed to reboot and, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Lord recharged our batteries. There was a fresh thing happening and we just felt like a real peace and excitement about doing this thing as small town poets and doing it with those guys at Forefront Records and Ardent Records. And and a lot of that was about the personnel. I mean, there were other, there were lots of labels we were talking to, but it was really clear that we were supposed to work with these particular people. And um, it it really just, it really worked beautifully together, those relationships. And uh, as a matter of fact, we went, the last full length record, uh, the one that's being mixed right now, notwithstanding, uh, our last uh, full length record came out in 2018. And a lot of that was recorded back in Memphis at the, at the studio where we did those first recordings as small town poets. It was very nostalgic for us. We feel so connected to um, a lot of those people that used to be there are are gone now, but um, we feel so connected to that early history because I don't know, there was something, there was something special and magical like you're talking about Dave, about the way the Lord brought those people into our lives, like producers and, uh, record label people and it just all clicked at once because you know a lot of bands have great music but it just doesn't all click and yeah. it just kind of all clicked for us at that time and I, I would say that you know Danny used the word clarity and you know I I think sometimes as followers of Jesus people who are trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit um, we sometimes go into that with you know high trepidation, you know, yeah. when we even talk about that sort of thing, because, you know, we don't want to assume too much, but we don't assume too little. Yeah. And lots of us learned what it meant to be following God's will, different kind of languages, different nuances of, of all of that. But I do want to say this, when Danny uses that word clarity, I think, you know, as a band, we can all agree on that. And it was a sense of clarity that we got to as a community of people together. It's the kind of clarity that you don't get um, being, you know, the solo one man show, Mm, one woman show, just trying to do life on your own terms, your own way. Like that, that point in our story, we had some of the, the most crystal clear clarity that that we've had. And, uh, and a big part of that, it was, was because you're in community, you can, you can find that clarity together. Well, you've said a couple of things um, 
that have kind of spurned me to this next question. You've talked about the clarity of being a group together. You've also talked about resetting. And in 2004, you guys took a reset. Was that a was that another one of these clarity things of we need to we need to step back and and revisit what God's having us do, or how did that that six year hiatus take place? A good bit of it is just some of the the turns uh, and twists of of life and seasons of life. About that time, uh, I had been married for a couple of years, and we had had um, my wife Amy and I had had our first child. And we were uh, expecting our second child and traveling was becoming harder. Absolutely. Not just because of that, but uh, it, it, it seems like a lot of things were working against the traveling musician at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fuel prices were getting higher. Lots of things were shifting around and, uh, it was the music business changed and and it changed in such a way that it became difficult to continue seeing it and um, and interacting with the way that things were set up you know the 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 climate the machine if you will yeah. of what it looked like to create music record it release it uh, there was so much that was shifting with that and it just seemed wise to uh, take some time. And, you know, also, I think our personal passions were changing um, and growing in that, in that season. All of us have, we mentioned it before, all of us had, had had a heart for the local church. And each of us kind of found a way to plug in uh, on that level. And that was about the time where, um, you know, you'd gone from our early experience as teenagers yeah. who were trying to help um, reshape what music could look like for expressions of faith and worship in the church. And then by 2004, just about every church had a worship band. Right. 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 So, so we, we were each at places where we could come in with a little bit of experience under our belts and help. Uh, disciple people in that in, in a local church context. So the 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 direction that God was leading you was still the same thing, but He was bringing it back internally to your local church bodies and using your talents there. Yeah. So was it just, hey, we've got this great group of guys and we want to make a Christmas album? Is that what brought you back together, or was there a was there kind of a defining moment that said, you know, this season of life means is leading us towards doing an album again. So Danny, you can agree or disagree with this. I don't <laughs> know if we've ever talked about, um, about this. I'll, I'll start by speaking for myself and then, and then I will project <laughs> uh, my point of view onto other people. I'm not much of a planner. Uh-huh. I'm not a great planner. So, you know, years go by and we're talking to each other and we're like, Hey, we got to get together. You know? Oh yeah. It's always, you got to get together. When are we going to get together? Let's all, let's get together. More is just to hang out, not necessarily to make music. Right. Right. Yeah. And a couple of us might get together here and there. Families come to visit each other. We had some great moments of that. Um, but I think we finally were like, okay, it's Danny. He's like, I got this, uh, I've got an idea for, um, 
an arrangement of In the Bleak Midwinter. It's a Christmas song. He's right. like, Danny's always loved Christmas music. As a matter of fact, the first public performance Danny and I ever had was at the National Guard Armory in Tipton, Georgia. We played a, a, a Christmas party for the National Guardsmen there. And so some of the first music we played together was Christmas music. Fun. And Danny's like, you know, I really have been wanting to do some Christmas stuff for a long time. Here's this In the Bleak Midwinter. And all of us heard the arrangement the, the, on the demo he had made. And we're like, yeah, that's great. We can all just record our parts and jump in there. And we had so much fun and success with that, uh, that we're like, yeah, before next Christmas, we got to do a full project. And, and that was the thing that really helped us, I think, uh, make a plan, <laughs> you know, put some dates on the calendar um, and hold each other accountable to getting some stuff done before those before those dates came. Yeah, it's true. We did a Christmas tour that year and have been playing together ever since. I mean, we're not <laughs> touring full time and we certainly don't haven't done much this year because of COVID. Oh, but sure. um, but uh, yeah, in your typical year, we're, we're out there playing uh, from time to time throughout the year. And uh, we always, almost always do some kind of little Christmas tour, even if it's only five or 10 shows. Cause we do have a lot of, we got a lot of Christmas material now. We've yeah. got, some different singles out there and a couple of full length Christmas albums too. One of the things that I noticed is a couple of the recent, uh, I think EPs and stuff that, that you've been worked at, Danny, your son has been in part of the product. Yeah. And the amazing thing about that is my son is only six years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, he's a, what do they call it? Uh, he's a prodigy. He's a prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a prodigy. <laughs> yeah. No, Noah, Noah started playing with us and traveling with us when he was about 14 and just kind of became the, the fifth Beatle. You know, he's, <laughs> he's usually just lurking by, behind the scenes somewhere. And so um, as he's gotten older and has, you know, become a legitimate producer with his own, you know, studio and all this equipment and gear. And he, and he is also, he's been right there in the studio with us learning from other producers like Matt Goldman. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's produced a lot of our stuff. So he's he's been able to be tutored by some of these guys. And now he's, gosh, he's 24 years old now. And he's <laughs> he's the one that's mixing our record right now. And he's the new one that's coming out. And he's the one that produced it. And that's that's he's very gifted at that. So question is, do you have any buttons left on any of your shirts? Or have you popped them all from being so proud? I know, right? <laughs> no, that's, I, I am definitely proud of him. And I feel... Uh, and I feel good about the, the work, too. I can't wait for everybody to hear this new record. I, I think people are going to like it. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. You, you've teased it a couple of times. You've got a new album that you're planning to release here this year. Talk a little bit about kind of the, the theme of the album and where you hope to take this project. Yeah, a lot of what we've been talking about already, um, there are some of the themes that, that we continue to write about. We're um, very often thinking about how great it is for us to have uh, these friendships uh, with each other and with, with others that God's brought into our path that, that shape our experience. So there, there are themes of, of community, themes of, of friendship, themes of iron sharpening iron. Um, it's life experience. It's us wrestling with things that, um, that we're really wrestling with in life. Uh, some, some, Questions about what it looks like uh, to be a follower of Jesus in yeah. in 2021. 
And that's all vague, right? So you'll really need to listen to the songs to 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 hear yeah. <laughs> the specifics of that. But those are those are some of the general themes and uh, and the reason behind why we feel like we still have uh, something to say and and want to say it is that we're we're grateful to God. A lot of it is is gratitude to God for his faithfulness yeah. in our lives. And and that sometimes comes out in, in us saying, you know, yeah, we're God, we're thankful for your faithfulness. But sometimes it just, it comes out in other ways. It's expressed in other ways. It's expressed in us singing about uh, something like there's one song where we're just celebrating the gift that it is to uh, get to play music, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, there's a song called the stuff we love that's on, on this new record. That's just celebrating uh, the gift that we have to be able to express ourselves. And, and even if it's not always specifically as a worship moment, um, as a worship song, that all that we do can be, you know, an expression of our gratitude to God. Just, you know, like, like Matthew five talks about, um, just letting our light shine so that people can see what's coming out of our lives and, and, bring glory to God. Michael used the word shaped earlier. And um, I'm sitting here looking at the track listing that we use in the studio with, you know, just um, you check off boxes as every little thing gets done. So I'm looking at this list of songs and um, it definitely, one of the themes is definitely how God has shaped us, is shaping us through very real experiences. Some of which are good. Like Michael said, some of which are bad. Um, or which at least seemed bad at the time right. they hurt. I'm looking at one song that I I think will probably be the last song on the on the album, and it's called Right Now 27. I don't know if that's the going to be the title or not, but but because it's as loosely based on Psalm, it's not so loosely based on Psalm 27. And um, the chorus to this song, uh, part of it says, um, uh, "I know who you are." It's it's us talking to the Father. I know who you are and I know who you've always been. So come sing over me so I can breathe again. Mm. And that is kind of 2020 yep. in a nutshell, right? It's yeah. like we're just trying to breathe. It's just been a difficult year for a lot of us. And, um, but, you know, I see faithfulness in so many of these songs. Um, and uh, I hope that's what people take away from it is, is, is hope. Because a lot of people I know have had a rough go of it. Oh, and this sure. record, I believe, reflects hope. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've, I'm very aware of the fact that some of the best songs come out of the angst and of the hardships of life. And they come out of our wrestling with how do we deal with these situations, whether it's a, a financial or a health or a relationship that's that's not gone well. And I've been very aware recently of the fact that, you know, God says he works all things together for good. He doesn't say he makes them easy. And a lot of times that struggle and that tension and that angst, as you said, Danny, is is where we grow the most. Uh-huh. That's true. That's true. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm learning that every day, my friend. Uh, I really am. And, and I, I, you know, Michael and I have said it in every interview we've ever done, so I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. But, uh, uh, is uh, good writing is honest writing. Yes. Um 
that was taught to us by the teacher that brought us together. The way we got to know each other in high school was that our teacher put us on a pro project together um, in our creative writing class, or maybe it was English. No, it was creative writing. And, uh, yeah. and he taught us a lot of good stuff that we still use. And one of the main things is good writing is honest writing. Yeah. So that's, you know, you're talking about writing out of the pain of heartbreak. That's what, that's what King David did. Um, and we can all, as songwriters, we can just learn a lot from being, being honest about what it is we're going through. Cause people relate to that and they connect with your story. Well, and, and the hurt of life, I, I had, and listeners to the podcast will remember this story, but I, I had a counselor one time who was a, a championship weightlifter and he, he was like 80 years old and had records in his category for the bench press. But he said, you don't have muscle growth unless you have muscle pain. And so the the whole fact that pain actually brings about growth and, and, and so much in our society, I think we try to skirt, oh, how can I do stuff to not hurt? But the hurt is where the growth comes. Right. Absolutely. It is no pain, no gain, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, a, a saying because it's true. And, and, and as Christians, the thing that we don't want to remember or, or the thing that's hard for us to remember sometimes when we're experiencing that hurt is, uh, is to reflect on the cross. And when we do that, that's when um, we can really get a perspective of what hope looks like and we can choose hope. And there are some of us, even people who uh, have been lifelong followers of Jesus come to points where it just starts to seem too hard for them and uh, old doubts creep back in. Um, there may be some questions that get reframed uh, that we thought we had answers to. And instead of looking to the cross, instead of looking to, to Jesus and, and what he taught and what he tried to prepare us for, we start listening to other voices um, and can kind of get stuck in that place of hurt. But if we will humble ourselves mm -hmm. to take another look at the cross, and if we'll let the lens of our life be refocused through, through that point of view, then it brings hope back into focus and it brings hope back in as an option and not just an option, but as, um, as a reality, as, as the most, uh, probably the, the most likely reality. Well, as the solution. Exactly. The most likely reality because the hope that the cross prepares us for is the resurrection. Yeah. And we don't have the resurrection without the cross. Yeah. So if we are able to humble ourselves to, to look through that lens again, it will bring the resurrection back into focus. And that's, the most realistic hope that we can have. Amen. You see why I write songs with this guy, right? He's yeah, man. He's got some rich <laughs> stuff. Absolutely. Well, let's look, let's look forward to uh, this next uh, 21, 22, even the future. Where is God leading you guys either collectively as a band or individually? What, what is he laying on your hearts as the passion cry for your, for this next season? Well, we don't have any plans to stop doing what we're doing. As a matter of fact, we're trying to put out music on a more regular basis. Um, we're all involved in our churches, playing worship music, or in my case, I'm the worship leader. Mm. Um, 
And, um, you know, I mean, I think for me, uh, and I, I think for all of these guys, but I'll definitely speak for myself, I just want to be faithful and I want to be more like Christ this year than I was last year or the year before that. And, and hopefully, um, I'm pretty new to this, to this area where I'm living in St. Augustine, Florida, and I hopefully plug more and more into my church community and into this community and hopefully just be used of God. But collectively, I, you know, I think our best stuff is, I hope people hear the, the stuff we put out in 2021 and, and say like we feel like is this, our, this is our best stuff we've ever put out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, this this past year has given us some time to get some things in place to to make uh, the creative process a little bit, um, I don't know about easier, but to at least have a plan for it and right. have a little infrastructure built for it. So we do feel realistic about our goals to continue to, to create music and, and release it. We don't know what's going to happen with live performance. Um, we don't depend on touring for income so uh we don't carve out as much uh, of our year for that right. sort of thing but we we do have some dates on the calendar that got shifted from last year to this year we hope we get to do those things and we hope we get to add to that a little bit um certainly uh we certainly love those opportunities yeah. to to play together um for all the reasons that we've already talked about, and also because it means we can probably find a disc golf course somewhere. <laughs> um, all of us have sort of independently found uh, uh, a kind of a, a love for, for this burgeoning sport, and it's been around for a long time. But especially with our options for getting together, um, being centered around things outdoors, yeah. disc golf has been great. And, uh, so, my, you know, part of my goal for this year is to be able to outdrive Noah. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got that, that young uh, energy and, and uh, flexibility. And I occasionally can, can drop one close to where his is, but I don't know that I've been able to outdrive him yet. Um, but, yeah, that's one of the things that we do for fun. Um, we've always kind of had hobbies like that on the road for a while. Um, we were kind of known as the wiffle ball band because ah. everywhere we would go, we had the wiffle ball and bat with us and we were trying to get a pickup game together with whoever was helping us load in at the venue. Oh, how fun. Um, and disc golf has kind of, uh, taken up some of that space, but, um, but yeah, part, part of my passion is, uh, helping people find the kind of clarity that we've been talking about yeah. and, and it, and it, and it doesn't happen in all phases of life, you know, as crystal clear clarity um, of, of what it looks like to be using your passions and, and your gifts and the things that the Lord has given you, your opportunities together. But, um, a, a friend of mine has, uh, developed with, with the team that he's on this, um, gospel centered life design called unique. It's Y O U N I Q U E okay. unique. Yeah. And, one of the things that I love about this unique process um, that helps people find some clarity uh, about God's calling and, and, and his direction for their, their lives is, uh, is this, there's a, a part of it that's a challenge uh, and it's based on this legend of, of Hemingway um, walking down the street and a woman 
recognizes him as being the famous author, and she gives him this challenge of telling a story in six words. Hmm. You can look up that that legend, and, and I won't finish out that story. But so that that idea of a six word story finds its way into this unique process, hmm. and and that's one of the the things that um, I've I've uh, done in being a part of that is come up with six words that are sort of like a, a, a reminder to me of what my calling is. And uh, so I would kind of, I would phrase it like this, that, that um, Michael Johnston has been created by God to glorify him and serve others by shifting skewed gazes towards worthy aims. Hmm. So that would be my six word story, shifting skewed gazes towards worthy aims. And that's more for me. I know what that means. Each word is, is, is chosen specifically. But um, for me in 2021, I want to lean more and more into helping people find that clarity, whether it's writing songs and, and playing music or whether it's through coaching. Um, I'm on staff at uh, a local church here in Gwinnett County, Georgia, where I am. And that's one of the things that I get to do. Uh, as a part of my role there. So that's, uh, that's what, if I had a, a word to go along with that, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm really, um, like probably many of us are, uh, really longing and, and craving, um, relationship and, yeah. and time with other people. So friendship is another word that that's come to mind for me for this year. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I've found interesting over the past few months is the, the kind of the core of the word community is unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what that boy, that's what our world needs so badly right now. And I think that's developed by, like you said, those friendships, spending time together, you know, flipping a disc around together. Yeah. And, and some of those things that we learned early on in our story are really serving us well at this point in our lives because, you know, a, a lot of our spiritual growth came from having relationships and friendships with people who um, thought differently, had Mm -hmm. different experience than we did. So that's one of the things that's really helping us, I think in our friendships and in what God's calling us into is, is seeking out those conversations with people that we might disagree with, but we can still uh, find unity with. Well, one of the things that we do every Saturday, we send out a prayer newsletter to a bunch of folks who've agreed to pray for musicians. What specifically can we be praying for small town poets over the next couple of months? Gosh, um, that's an honor to uh, be prayed for in that way. So that's, first of all, thank you for doing that and spearheading that. That's awesome. Maybe what comes to mind is that along the way for us um, in the creative process, in um, putting final touches on things as well as starting the process that there are obstacles that come up along the way. Um, sometimes you foresee those things, sometimes you don't. So just maybe a good, uh, a good thing to ask people to pray for small town poets in this season would just be for God to go ahead and, and even if the obstacles can't be cleared out of our path just to uh, you know, make a way for uh, things to move forward in the timing that uh, will bring him glory 
and in the way that will bring him the most glory. I appreciate Danny and Michael sharing about their intentionality of seeking God's perspective in life. And you know what else helps bring things into perspective? Prayer. Taking our concerns before the Father and letting Him know that there are areas where we need His divine intervention, protection, provision, and direction. The Apostle Paul wrote in many of his letters that he was praying for the people he interacted with. In Ephesians, for example, Paul says, I pray for you constantly, asking God to give you spiritual wisdom. In his letter to the Philippians, he prays for their love to overflow more and more and that they will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. In Galatians, Paul writes that we should share each other's burdens and, in this way, obey the law of Christ. So, I think Paul thinks prayer is a pretty big deal. Maybe we should, too. That is why I'm committed to praying for the people who make the music I enjoy. Each week, I send out a prayer newsletter featuring an artist each day that we can pray for. We pray for God's protection. We pray that their concerts and music are anointed by God. We pray for health. We pray for other concerns of finances and so forth. And I'm asking you to join me in praying each day. To do that, I'm inviting you to sign up for my weekly prayer newsletter. It's an email that I send every Saturday, and you can sign up for it on our website, thechristianmusicarchive.com. Down in the footer there, you'll find a form, or you can also go to the prayer page, which is christianmusicarchive.com prayer, which lists those prayer requests, but you can sign up for the list there as well. Ultimately, my desire is to cover these artists with prayer so that they can be effective in sharing God's love to those who are listening. So, won't you join me today? Sign up at christianmusicarchive.com and let's pray together for all of these great men and women. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs> <laughs>